This podcast is sponsored by Explore Worldwide. Explore offers guided travel holidays from city breaks to honeymoons. Explore's local tour guides and their small group adventures give travellers the opportunity to experience a country and not merely observe it. Whether it's a food and drink tour in the hilltop towns of Tuscany or a walking tour in the rice fields of Vietnam, Explore puts their trust in the quality of their local tour leaders so you get a better insight into your holiday destination. Head to exploreworldwide.com. Hello and welcome to today's independent travel podcast with me, Simon Calder. And I am at the World Travel Market in London, where I've been lucky enough to talk to James Asquith. He is the founder of Global Airlines, a startup that aims to be flying the Airbus A380 Super Jumbo across the Atlantic and to some other destinations with what he says will be an unbeatable in-flight experience. And he told me the double-deck plane is the key to success. Yeah, everyone says that something can't be done until it's done. Um, I think it's already pretty evident that we're sticking through it. If I knew all the challenges with the 380 and what we were doing now at the start, I wouldn't have changed anything that we're doing. We could have easily turned around and said, realistically, if, if we were doing where people might say it's going to be a challenge, i.e. the 380, it gets all the headlines that we've had. And yes, we're very, very... There's a lot of representation and uh, chatter about it across the media because of it. And it's easy to look at an airline stand on the biggest commercial plane in the sky and say, oh, that's not going to work. But the reality is on the flip side, the one thing that people don't really take a moment to think of, uh, you know, neither do kind of, shall we say, accounting departments sometimes with airlines, is what the passenger feels in the experience. And, and that is something that I will very clearly back myself on and the team we have around us from flying on 280 plus airlines. And the product is what we can do with the 380. So if we were starting out with a A330 or a smaller aircraft, uh, the reality is one side of the coin is people will say, oh, that might work, but it doesn't. And the reality is that this is the most cyclical industry in the world. Everyone does well, everyone does badly at different times. But you put an A330 in the sky, you're putting a plane in the sky for the sake of it. Then you can open up a whole other host of questions like, how do you compete with the legacy carriers? How do you compete on loyalty platforms with a much bigger airline? How is your product going to be better? You can't do that with a smaller aircraft. But you can with the 380. The challenges are dissipated in some ways by the fact that you can, if you do it right, have a much better product on the aircraft. And you can start attracting people in to put bums on seats and from a loyalty program perspective. So the challenges come with big benefits that I don't think... Um, Particularly some naysayers are stopping to actually consider and think of, and that's a passenger behavior point of view. The example I use as well is you, would, you could look at Emirates model and you could go and look at accountancy companies uh, or advisory companies around the world. And if you'd have asked them, what's your daily traffic demand from Dubai to Panama? It's probably about two passengers a day. They managed to make it work on a 777-200LR, 65 to 67%. Sure, the route didn't really work out, but... If you build it, they'll buy it sometimes if it's good enough. And, and that's the variable that you just, there isn't numbers, there isn't data to be able to come up with that. But the reality is passengers and people will go out their way to fly a better product than a 380. And that's the one thing that this industry um, can always be better at and, and everyone equally can push themselves. Okay, so build it and they will come, seems to be what you're telling me. But the trouble is we've seen so often build it and then the other legacy airlines will come in with um, pricing which is just aimed specifically at uh, disrupting what you're doing 
Okay, so look at Norwegian on the London York route. You know your stuff, Simon, so you should know this. How much did the legacy carriers discount their fares when Norwegian was running that route? Uh, quite. I, I, I think BA. Yeah, they didn't cut them to 99 bucks each way like Norwegian did, though. And Norwegian was struggling to fill its aircraft. So on the most profitable airline route in the world, which is London, New York, uh, that's not a route that the incumbent carriers are really going to sh- trash their prices on. Because if they do, they trash the whole eastern seaboard on their pricing. The whole models fail. So actually, there's an element where people would rather turn around and not have a price war on certain routes. Even if they do, again, this is the speculation of uh, people that don't understand how we're set up financially. Again, by not paying $275 million plus for an A380, our break-even point is much, much lower. I don't know if you know the statistics. I'm sure you probably do. I hope you do. But your interest and depreciation on a ticket is around 40% of the cost to pay that aircraft back over 15 to 20 years. It's a significant chunk of the fee that we've taken out. No lessors, no guns against our head, no debt. And that allows us to be able to add more in terms of the product and there's more headroom in terms of uh, pricing as well. So a lot of that we've thought of. Uh, you know, I assure you that we're not just making things up as we go along here. Okay, and in terms of getting uh, pilots, getting cabin crew, um, getting all the engineers that you need, that's... Uh, easiest okay. of them all. And it's the easiest because treat people properly. Like crew want very simple things. They want flexibility. They want a good work environment. And yes, of course, like good wages, good pay, and not overworked and you know it's, it's a question that i get regularly especially from the u.s side of how are you going to do it pilot shortage etc it's a supply and demand game and that's the same with anything you know if if you have shareholders and boards at a company that will overpay themselves and pay themselves massive bonuses while not taking care of your staff then of course you're not going to have people that want to work for you and you know i've, I've always driven that in this way our our other travel company during covid net hired we didn't give anyone a pay cut and i'm very much for having people that i'm loyal to that are loyal to us as well you have a good work environment you're going to flourish and you know i've got literally thousands of people in my inbox asking when they can apply to come and work with us and it's about creating a culture creating somewhere that people love to work and i touched on it when, when i was just speaking you know the the beauty of in the 70s of someone putting on a Pan Am or a TWA uniform and going to work and feeling like a million damn dollars walking through the airport, that's what it could and should be. But there's always been a tug of war with shareholders and, and, and investors versus if you can cut a cost here, you can cut a cost. We don't need to pay people more. But that's your brand, your staff, your brand. And it comes down to two key things here. One is the overriding bubble of, yes, the financials and the foundation has to work, but it's your product hard and soft and it's your staff because they represent your company your brand well everyone is eager to see global airlines take to the skies and of course i'll do my best to be on board thanks for listening i'll talk to you again tomorrow goodbye